This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 124, Comic Talk, New 52 edition. Welcome to the show. This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 124, the Comic Talk, uh, New 52 edition episode. This is Adam Chapman, your host, and welcome to the show. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping just before we get into the show. Um, unfortunately, this episode is quite late. Um, this is a common theme in the podcast recently. Uh, the episode is going up a lot later than originally expected or um, projected even. Um, this episode is going up probably on the early on the 9th. I'm recording this late on the 8th, uh, which is Sunday. Usually I'd, have, I'd be fretting and worrying about getting the reviews episode for the uh Fast with comics around this time. Hopefully that'll be up in the next couple of days. Um, anyways, this is our New 52 episode, uh, which was basically inspired based on um, some uh, a question from a, from a listener uh, known as Danzig on the forums of HC Realms. Um, so this episode will be focusing on that. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention before moving on to the show, though. Um, so last night was the 7th of December, and I had was having a, a birthday party. Uh, it was a week, a week late, but uh, I had recently turned 30, and so we're getting finally getting a get-together uh, going. And uh, there's two interesting things that happened at this party. One was that my wife, uh, um, she is getting me a beautiful Hawkeye statue. Uh, I don't actually have it in my possession yet, but I'm in the pos- in process of getting this Hawkeye statue. Anyways, she wanted the theme to be Hawkeye. So the cake that she designed was, uh, it's actually from a 1994 Red Power Ranger tin, um, and, but she was able to customize it slightly because he had the, his arms up in a certain way. She was able to customize it so that he's instead it's Hawkeye holding a bow and arrow, uh, and she did it all in purple, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, so I had that as my cake, and then as a gift later on, my brother-in-law Paul, who's been on the podcast many times in the past, he gave me this shirt, and I, I open up the shirt, and it's a purple shirt. And I'm like, oh, okay, well that, that's a cool purple shirt. It's kind of random. As I unfold it, I realize that at the bottom of the shirt, the, 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 right in the center, is a Hawkeye head, which, for those who have read the um, first couple issues, I forget exactly what issue, but the recent Matt, Matt Fraction and uh, David Aja run of Hawkeye, there was a shot where Hawkeye jumps through the air naked, uh, but they put a tasteful little Hawkeye uh, face blocking his crotch. Um, and that's the idea of this shirt. It's a long shirt, and then it kind of covers your crotch area with Hawkeye's face, um, which is freaking hilarious. Uh, I think um, I think Paul called it the Hawk Block. So I now have this awesome uh, Hawkeye shirt that I uh, cannot wait to proudly wear. And then Nathan was asking me, "Are you really gonna wear that out? Like, you know, are you gonna are you gonna be able to do that?" I'm like, oh, "Yeah, I hope people want want to ask about what, why do you have something on your crotch?" He's like, "It almost looks like a, it would be like a belt or something." And I'm like, "It does, but it's really just Hawkeye's face covering my crotchal area." Um, anyway, so that that is my little bit of what's been going on with me uh so getting to uh today's episode so on the 26th of november i got an email or a personal message sorry on ac realms from danzig uh or sorry danzig01 so i've been naming him incorrectly and uh, basically the question was uh you know he's he started to start getting back into read comic comic books as a result of listening to some of the review shows which is awesome and i love hearing that kind of feedback and that he had stopped a few years ago as he grew tired of the whole collecting thing okay and then he said he, he kind of wanted to read stuff that was in trade paperback, so he has whole storylines in one package. 
but he wanted to start with DC, but he didn't know what the hell was going on there. Uh, so his questions were, when did this new 52 thing start? How did it start? Et cetera, et cetera. And just kind of explaining certain things that were going on uh, to kind of explain what's going on in the new 52. So uh, he was also asking, is there anywhere to kind of know where to begin, etc. So I thought this would actually be a really great opportunity to kind of look back at the new 52, uh, when it started, why it started, etc. So it did start about two years ago. Um, basically, what, the last week of August in 2011. Um, it's kind of a weird genesis, though, because that's a year and a half earlier, if not more than that, uh, the Flash had kind of returned Barry Allen, and Jeff Johns is writing his new ongoing series. And at the at, at the end of the kind of first arc, they had this kind of shot of this this upcoming event that was going to be coming in summer 2011 called Flashpoint. And it was unknown what it was going to be, kind of be, but if every I mean myself as a as a fan at the time, I was a huge fan of Fla uh, Green Lantern Rebirth when that came out. And it kind of restored Hal Jordan to greatness, and the Green Lantern mythos became much more important. And Green Lantern as a character and a, and a franchise in the DC pantheon started really selling better than ever before. So suddenly it was it was a, an instrument an instrumental part of the DC universe, and it only grew and expanded from there. So then when Flash Rebirth happened, it didn't quite have the impact everyone expected it to, but it did launch a new Flash ongoing with Jeff Johns writing an artwork by Francis Manipal. Uh, and it was a good, uh, you know, I, I I had some issues with it, but I think part of my issues were that it's weird to take a carrot. Like I was such a huge fan of Wally West, primarily part of partly um, one of the reasons why I was a big fan of the Flash book at the time was because Jeff Johns had been writing it uh, for a couple of years at one point before he left the book, and it, it was some of the best writing I'd ever read in the Flash, and his his world seemed so built up and so many pieces. And then when he started actually writing Flash. I, uh, as sorry, Barry Allen and bringing this this mythical character back to life more or less, I found it wasn't in any way what I expected, um, and I don't think a lot of people were, it, we thought it would have maybe more nuance and feel again more part of this established world, but instead everything kind of felt odd. Like Barry seemed a lot not a lot younger than he should, partly because of the artwork by Francis Manipal, which is definitely has a more youthful look to it. Um, and, like, suddenly Iris was much younger, and it just felt like a lot of characters were de-aged, and Wally and his car and his kind of ilk were kind of phased out, or not even phased out, but just kind of dumped out of the book and not really referenced or looked at. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Anyways, so they project that there's this big Flashpoint, you know, series coming out, and basically it's an alternate reality tale where something happens. I'm not going to spoil too much about it, but... The idea, although, really, I mean, there's that event and a movie based on it, so, I mean, it's not it's not like it uh, hasn't already been talked about and spoiled in the last two years. But the idea is that something happens in the past that changes the future, or sort of the current continuity in DC, and suddenly, like, for example, Batman is Thomas Wayne, not Bruce Wayne. It was Bruce Wayne who died in the alley, uh, and Thomas became Batman, and... Uh, Martha actually went crazy because of the loss of her son and became the Joker in this reality. Uh, Superman's rocket hit Metropolis, and he's been kept in containment and has never been let out uh, in all the years since. Barry Allen never became the Flash, uh, and so on. Green Lantern, um, sorry, Hal Jordan never became Green Lantern, etc. Um, I can't remember. Oh, uh, the big thing is that Aquaman is definitely like the king of the seas, and he's having a war against uh, Wonder Woman from the Amazons, and it's really kind of making the power balance in the world very unstable because they're ruining the world uh, as a result of their battle. 
this is the world of, of the Flashpoint universe. And the whole idea is that Barry Allen has to get his powers back, figure out what happened, then go back in time and, and set things right, basically. And he does this. Now, as he does this in Flashpoint, what, number five, six? I can't remember the exact issue. Um, this is when the world starts to change. So in this issue, he's basically, he's, he's figured out that the event that basically screwed up the world was actually himself. Not meaning to, obviously. So he goes back in time to stop himself. And he's able to get on this, you know, the treadmill and screw things up. And then he's like, I gotta run back into this time stream. Now, this is the part that I, I've, you know, forgotten about and wonder about. The whole idea that he sees three different timelines... And then this mysterious character tells him that, the, you know, the history of heroes was shattered into three long ago, splintered to weaken your world for their impending arrival. You must all stand together. The timelines must become one again. You can help me fix that, Barry Allen, but at a cost. And he kind of forgets about this. As he's running, his costume changes into the new 52 costume, and basically the history changes. Although we don't know it at the time. And then Barry Allen's back in the present. Uh, Batman has a slightly different costume when he goes and talks to him. And not, if you were to just read the end of this, it almost seems like not much really changed. There's a slight cosmetic change, but other than that, like you don't think much has really been modified. However, this came out, and then about, I think, the same day of the last issue of, of uh, Flashpoint, they launched what is known as the DC Comics New 52. So this, as I said, started the last week of August in 2011, and then with one issue that was released as well as the flashpoint which kind of ended the pre-new 52 era and then you also have uh in september 2011 every book of the new 52 line actually launching uh, save justice league which had already started at that point um so what is the new 52 well in in short the idea behind the new 52 was to simplify um the DC comic landscape. So basically that it was too complicated and they wanted to simplify things, make it easier so that people could really sink their teeth in and start following the DC universe again without feeling that there was so much continuity as a, to kind of as a shackle. Um, now what's weird about this, and this is reminiscent in some ways of crisis and infinite earths back in 1986 or 85, whatever it was exactly. Um, that, when that happened, it was all about wiping away the, what had kind of happened before and then starting fresh. So, coming out of the new uh, out of Crisis on Infinite Earths, you had a Superman relaunch under Burn, so it changed everything we knew about Superman. Um, kind of changed his power level. Uh, definitely changed the way that Clark Kent was written. Uh, and then in Batman, you had a change to Batman's origin that happened when they did Year One. It's not it wasn't all exactly at the same time period, but it was close enough that it kind of was this huge shift in storytelling and really everything pre new 50 sorry pre crisis was kind of swept under the rug for the most part i mean things still happened uh it's not like it all went away but um the 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 stuff that was more complicated or the the multiple earths etc that stuff was all removed and instead it was all just one timeline and uh they tried to couldn't retroactively fit everything in to that framework but for the most part it like they weren't I mean, things still happen, but they weren't necessarily referencing some of the stuff that had already happened. The only books that really didn't change were books like uh, Teen Titans, etc. Like, but a lot of other books went through massive changes. Uh, Justice League didn't really... They kind of ended, and then it would come back as Justice League International. Now, the New 52 is a, 
an odd effort in some ways because, I mean, from a marketing perspective, it makes sense. Let's end every single title. We're going to launch 52 new titles. 52 is obviously a, a number that works well for DC as they had the uh, After Infinite Crisis in, what, 2005, 6, 4? I can't even remember what year it was. I believe it was 2005 leading into 6. Um, they had the New 52, um, sorry, not New 52. After Infinite Crisis, they had this one year later thing, and then in that one year, they had this weekly series called 52. So 52 became kind of a, a good luck number for DC. So the idea is that there, there's 52 realities, or at least pre-New 52, in the DC universe. So they're going to have 52 titles. And, um, and some of them were odd choices, for sure, but they were going to have 52 titles in the line, and this is how it was going to start, and everything was kind of starting from scratch. Um, the idea was that five years ago there was Justice League 1, which was kind of the beginning of the Justice League, but that was technically a flashback tale. You had action comics taking place maybe six years ago, uh, or five and a bit, just before Justice League, because Superman was in a different costume than what he would be in the first arc of Justice League. Um, but everything else would kind of take, in the current, take place in the current continuity, um, and... It would act as if most of the stuff that you've been reading didn't happen. Now, at the time, they didn't really admit this. They kind of said, well, no, it's not a total reboot. But then over time, it's like, yeah, it's a total reboot. Um, it was interesting that the way that they pitched it at the time, because I think people would have rebelled. Well, people didn't like the idea that you're just throwing away their favorite characters and everything that had ever happened. That being said, the, the thing that got confusing and weird is that two main franchises were more or less untouched. They were the Batman franchise and the Green Lantern franchise. Green Lantern the most, because everything that had happened pre-New 52 in Green Lantern was obviously still canon, because right before New 52 happened, you had Green Lantern, uh, Hal Jordan basically losing the power ring. He was, he was expelled from the Green Lantern Corps. Sinestro was re-inducted as a Green Lantern Corps member. And this is where you started with the New 52 Green Lantern title, is that Hal was just a human and Sinestro was a Green Lantern again. And that's a big, like, what the fuck? Um, so everything that had been happening since 2004 in the Green Lantern titles was still canon. But in the Superman books... Superman never got married to Lois Lane. His whole origin was different in terms of when he first came to Metropolis. Uh, he wasn't in a costume originally. I mean, he was, but he was more of a, a, a crusading, you know, do-gooder like he was back in the 30s. Um, he had, like, a T-shirt and jeans. He wasn't in a full Kryptonian battle armor yet. Uh, the costumes for every character were basically changed or modified uh, in most cases and uh, redone by Jim Lee, and, again, in most cases. Um... But in the Batman side, you had, still had Damian Wayne as Robin. You had Dick Grayson as, well, returning to the role of Nightwing, which he hadn't done pre-New 52. He was still Batman. And then you had um, Jason Todd was still Red Hood, although the, the, it seems like his edges were definitely softened a little. So you had some things that were totally the same and then other things that were totally different, and they didn't necessarily address the differences. Like, there's a lot of things in Green Lantern's history which just can't even be possible. Uh, the whole, well, basically anything with to, to do with the original Parallax story is hard to fit into current continuity now, partially because now they have a very set time frame of five years between the first appearance of the Justice League and where we start reading comics in the New 52, and it made a lot of people wonder, especially about Robin, 
how are there this many Robins? Um, it also changed Red Rob um, Tim Drake's history that he's always been Red Robin and never went by the actual name of Robin, uh, which people were really rebelling against. So I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but it was definitely a, a complicated series of events that resulted in this new continuity, which um, I felt like now we can look back and say, yeah, they didn't want to tell everyone that it was a complete reboot or more uh, kind of a selective reboot for almost every character. But they wanted to hold on to the idea that it wasn't because people would be upset. And yeah, people were like, well, what about these stories? Do they all do they work out? And they kept saying, we have an idea of what it works and what did happen. And I feel like everyone's kind of come to the conclusion that that's not really true. And they were just saying that to kind of ease things over and make people not upset about the sweeping changes that they made. So let's kind of go... I'm going to talk about the different kind of families of titles that have kind of gone through the New 52. I haven't read every issue of all these, you know, more than 52 titles, but all the different issues that have come out. But this will be kind of an overview of what you've missed if you haven't been reading comics from the New 52 in the last two years. Because... Things that you might have read five years ago, unless they're Green Lantern or Batman, don't really have any bearing on anything anymore. In fact, they might be completely off base. If it was anything with regarding Clark and Lois being married, out the window. doesn't exist. They've never got married. She's with someone else. He doesn't even work for the Daily Planet right now. Uh, he's noticeably younger. He's a noticeably brasher. He's not quite the Superman you remember in terms of being the uh, the, the beloved hero. Um, the New 52 is definitely recast. It's very almost ultimate Marvelish, uh, not in terms of being real world, uh, but in terms of having a slightly more cynical look at superheroes, uh, because there's a, a less a, a feeling of trust, whereas in the new, pre-New 52, uh, heroes in the DC Universe were celebrated and trusted above anything, and now they're a lot more uh, suspect, which is kind of up and down in terms of what people think of that. Um, so we have Justice League was part of the first wave. Um, so I think up, up to now, I think it's at issue 25 or so. Uh, for the mo It's been written by Jeff Johns all the way through. Uh, it started with pencil Pencils by Jim Lee. Um, it was a giant fuck-up, I personally think. And the, the first arc was a bit of a mess. Um, I think in the future, we were going to have a Book of the Month episode looking at it. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But... Um, it's just kind of a mess. It's not necessarily a bad idea for a story that the first arc was a death, uh, sorry, a dark side story set at the beginning of the New 52. Well, sorry, five years before the current continuity when we started the New 52. Uh, and this idea of it's being the first adventure of the Justice League. My problem with it is that the Justice League is a bunch of douches that don't feel like the characters who are written in their respective individual solo titles. Uh, it starts off with like Green Lantern being kind of like a hotshot, I get, but he's a kind of an airhead art hotshot. Um, Batman is a very kind of crude and almost all-star Batman-esque. Um, also, Batman just like rips off his mask in the middle of like their first adventure, right before he's about to go into, into Apocalypse to save Superman. It's just kind of like, what? He just takes off his mask and shows it to Hal Jordan, and Hal Jordan goes, who the hell is Bruce Wayne? Which is stupid, because if Bill Gates took off his mask, even if I didn't know what Bill Gates looked like, if he said, I'm Bill Gates, I'd be like, holy fuck, you're Bill Gates. Why are you Batman? You know, like, it was just a weird decision. Um, Jim Lee's artwork was a little uninspired in the first, what, 12 issues he did. Uh, the second arc was real mess. There, the idea of trying to kind of make a new villain didn't work out very well, and it felt very protracted storyline. 
Um, the third major storyline that Justice League had was probably its best so far, which was that called Throne of Atlantis, which was a crossover with Aquaman, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, it also signaled the, the arrival of I, Ivan Reyes into the uh, Justice League book. He'd previously been the illustrator on Aquaman. Um, it's, I mean, it was a really good storyline. From there, we move to, um, oh, what's it called? Basically, the, this Trinity War, which was announced, what, like a year or two ago? Um, I guess a year ago, uh, Free Comic Book Day 2012. Uh, and it was the idea that it's supposed to be like a Trinity War. We don't know what it was. It ended up being basically three different Justice League teams, uh, Justice League of America, Justice League, and Justice League Dark basically coming to blows over multiple things. Uh it ended up being a little lackluster, especially because the the whole ending of the storyline was just to set up a crossover event called Forever Evil, which is currently going on in the entire DC line. Well, not the entire DC line, but it's the main event happening in DC right now. Um, so it kind of is a messy situation. It, the, the Trinity War wasn't a bad storyline, although I don't think the Trinity War, just being three Justice League teams fighting each other, was kind of disappointing in terms of that's what it was and then just leading into an event was kind of disappointing as well that it wasn't kind of its own thing uh i think people expected it to be more like batman superman wonder woman kind of trinity war maybe the the trinity falling apart or anything like along those lines instead we got something else um that's justice league uh then we have aquaman which uh also was part of the original first wave uh, written by Jeff Johns, artwork originally by Ivan Reyes and now by Paul Pelletier. Uh, it's one of the more consistent books, although Jeff Johns has now wrapped up his run. Uh, the first 25 issues can basically be called Jeff Johns' letter to DC Comics readers that the gist of it is basically, I think Aquaman is cool, so should you. I'm going to write a book that's about how cool Aquaman is. Now, this isn't to say that it's not a good book. But it's very clearly designed to say that Aquaman's cool. Um, if you want, you can go back in the uh, the archives of this show, of Comic Shenanigans, to check out our Book of the Month Club episode where we actually looked at uh, Aquaman Volume 1. Um, it's not a bad idea to kind of go back and listen to that episode just to see what we thought of that. Um, that would have been, let me just check here... We looked at it in episode 84 from June 3rd. Uh, you can you can access the episode at comicshenanigans at gmail... Sorry. Comicshenanigans.podbean.com That's the main kind of site that it's housed at. Uh, you can listen to the, the episode there or download it. Um, and in that episode, Amber Struck, Nathan Struck, Paul Scores, and myself look at Aquaman Volume 1 uh, and we have varying opinions on that book. But it's definitely the book that's all about showcasing that Aquaman is cool. Uh, the first arc introduces a kind of new villain called the Trench. Um, it's kind of horror movie-esque at times. It also sets up Aquaman's current continuity in the New Fifty Two, which is a little a little bit different than where he was previously. Um, kind of sweeps away more or less the stuff that happened in Blackest Night and Brightest Day, which was the kind of major crossovers that happened pre New Fifty Two. Uh, instead, it's you know all you really need to know that Aquaman is you know has as you know, uh, renounced the, the throne of Atlantis, basically, and he's living with Mira, his wife. Uh, I believe they're still married. I don't know actually if maybe they're not specifically called married, but life partners, <laughs> uh, lovers. I mean, they're definitely together. 
Um, the first arc, again, it's about the trench. Second volume is all about the idea that Aquaman had a team before uh, the Justice League, or not including the Justice League, another team called the Others. Um, and they're all kind of powered by different Atlantean artifacts. And it also shows his battles with Black Manta. And then the third volume, um, our third main storyline, is the Throne of Atlantis. That's the crossover with Justice League. And from there, we've had a, a big cro- uh, a big event uh, called um, the, what, the the Dead King or Death of a King. or And it's just the idea of the, the hidden history of Atlantis and what it really means for Aquaman's lineage. Uh, as I said, Ivan Reyes was the original penciler in the book. He was then succeeded by Paul Pelletier. It's a really, really solid, enjoyable read all the way through. Uh, I'm a little worried about what's going to happen now that Jeff Johns, a.k.a. Aquaman's biggest cheerleader, is gone, but hopefully it'll be uh, continue to be a solid book. Uh, next up is uh, Flash, also part of that first wave. Um, it was originally written by Brian Bucciolato and Francis Manipal, with artwork by Francis Manipal and Brian Bucciolato, uh, Bucciolato being a colorist and co-writer of the book. Uh, they've just wrapped up their run. I think Bucciolato is going to write a few issues with, I believe, Zerker, Patrick Zerker on pencils, although it could be wrong there. Um, it's not a bad kind of exploration of Baryon as a character. It It's interesting, too, because it's obviously written quite differently than it was pre-New 52, but artistically speaking, it's by the same artist, so it doesn't feel like it's that different in terms of the visuals. Uh, that being said, it definitely is... Uh, showing a different history for Barry Allen. It's quite different than before. He never died, and there was never a crisis. He was never married to Iris West. It's He definitely dated her, but uh, they're not together in the current continuity. Uh, instead, he is with Patty Spivett, who, ironically enough, was introduced in the uh, flash book that Jeff Johns was writing uh, pre-New 52. Uh, so now they're married. Uh, sorry, not married. They're, now they're together. No one's really married in the New 52, Actually, that reminds me, Aquaman was not married now, because they've made a big hullabaloo lately that no one's allowed to really get married in the DC universe, which is a whole other thing. Um, but, uh, I'm going to miss Manipal and Bucciolato on the book, but they, they've definitely had a, a, a nice kind of exploration of how the Speed Force works, and it's because it's a, kind of a reconstruction from the ground up of Barry Allen and the Flash kind of mythos, uh, they're showing... Barry Allen discovering the Speed Force, which is something we never really got to see pre-New 52 because he died in 1986 before the Speed Force was really established or even created. Um, And then when he came back, it had already kind of been explored by Wally West, so we didn't see him really tapping into it or dealing with it. Whereas here, he's kind of figuring things out for his own and discovering more things about his powers. Uh, When it comes to the rogues, we have the rogues being very different than the pre-New 52 rogues in terms of their powers are, instead of just being from gadgets, instead now they're being biologically grafted onto them or they've been genetically modified, uh, especially Captain Cold, although it looks like that has been removed as of a current storyline. Um, you do have, you have, so you have the rogues involved, you have a, cro- a crossover event or guerrilla warfare with uh, Gorilla Grodd t- trying to take over Central City. You have a new reverse Flash, who I personally don't think is very interesting or engaging. Um, it, they try to take new spins on old characters and concepts for the Flash. Uh, there are some notable exclusions in that Wally West is doesn't not exist. Um, he's never existed. We've had Daniel West, uh, Iris's brother. Um, I don't believe that was ever Wally's dad's name. I can't remember now, but 
Uh, Lolly himself has not made any appearances, and he's not the only one to not really make an appearance in the New 52 universe. Um, would I say you should read The Flash? You know what? It's actually it's fun. I mean, it's a little silly at times because it, it feels silver agey. I think part of that is in the artwork by Manipal. It has a very light palette to it. Uh, well, sorry, a light look to it, and then the uh, colors by Bucciolato are very faint and light. Um, almost playful. I don't know if that makes sense, but they're not... They're vibrant, but there's a certain, I don't know, Silver Age quality to them. I can't really put it any different than that. Uh, Green Arrow was also part of the, the first wave, and it was originally written by J.T. Krull with artwork by David Barron, Dan Jurgens, George Perez. I guess this is throughout that run. Um, that one, I don't even know who's writing it now. It's been passed around uh, between a lot of people. Um... So, I mean, Green Arrow was definitely relaunched as being kind of a younger, sexier Green Arrow. Not too different than what we'd eventually see with the Arrow TV series. Um, him being a different kind of vigilante, not part of the Justice League. Um, not kind of, not not in any way being the old version of the character. And I made that, I think that was a little sad because I really like the classic Oliver Queen. He's a very specific kind of character. And there aren't that many particularly like him in terms of his, um, you know, his political outlook, uh, his just long-standing history in the DC universe was always quite interesting, and then his relationship with Black Canary. None of that exists, as far as I know, in the New 52. I can honestly say I think I've read maybe one issue of Green Arrow in the New 52 era, uh, so that's one I just I don't know much about, and I can't even steer you in any particular direction. Um, Wonder Woman has gone through a lot of changes in the New 52, uh, she's very different character when you read her in her own book and Justice League and Superman and Wonder Woman. Um, it's written by Brian Azarella with artwork by Cliff Chiang. Uh, it's definitely a, a more uh, God-centric look at her life. And there have been, a, like, a, or Orion has been in that book as well. Um, it's got an interesting perspective on it. I haven't read it in, like, 12 issues, but I did enjoy it. It was definitely a different type of Wonder Woman. Uh, again, less superhero, more goddess. Um, and I think, and they definitely changed her history. I believe Zeus is her father now, um, so things have been modified for her somewhat. Uh, next up was Earth Two. Um, actually, I'm, I'm just kind of going through uh, to give you an idea of the, the order I'm going through. Uh, there's a Wikipedia page on the list of the New 52 publications, and they're doing they kind of segment it by families because that's the way that the solicitations used to come out when they first started this. They've changed it around a little. Uh, so the Justice League family was the first one that was kind of being examined. So you have Earth 2 was part of the second wave, which started in May 2012. Uh, so basically, you had about. Um, but, how many issues is that? I think eight issues of most books. Some books got cancelled from the first wave. Uh, so then you had these new titles taking on uh, afterwards. Uh, Earth 2 was a highly, highly, um, uh, what's the word, an um, anticipated book once it was announced because it was James, excuse me, James Robinson writing it, uh, who had originally written Starman, etc. And then artwork by Nicola Scott, who's a brilliant art, art, um, illustrator. And the idea that it was going to be a Justice Society book. And in, so Earth 2 is a different reality. Instead of the Justice Society does not exist on Earth 1 in the New 52. 
Um, basically, there was no superheroes really before the Justice League came on the scene. So the the whole idea that Justice Society existing during World War II cannot even exist at all. Um, so Earth 2 is about recasting a different alternate Earth with uh, the JSA-style characters, uh, as written by James Robinson. I remember being really excited about this book before it came out, and um, there was also a lot of controversy because there, Alan Scott was in it, but he was a much younger man, also a gay man. There was a lot of people upset about that, um, which I never really understood because I I remember listening to a lot of interviews with James Robinson. He was really really interesting and well spoken when when people were asking him about why he made Alan Scott gay, and he was saying, well, you know, characters like Obsidian, who was gay, and Alan Scott's son. Um, they, he didn't exist anymore in the New 52 because of how they were deciding to cast the Justice Society and make them younger characters on an alternate universe. It meant that there was no uh, longer history that these characters had, so him having a son didn't exist anymore. Jade didn't exist anymore. Um, so he kind of said, well, if we're depriving the DC Universe of one gay character, I'm going to give one back. Uh, so he made Alan Scott into a gay character. Uh, Jay Carrick, again, is, is basically a kid, a young guy who gets powers from Mercury. So, again, not the what, hard water that he originally uh, got his powers from in the, new, in the, uh, the original continuity. Uh, you had a, a new version of Hawkgirl, which was very different than anything we'd ever seen. Um, we had uh, a, uh, the first villain of the first arc was Solomon Grundy, a very different version of Solomon Grundy, powered by the Grey. Um, which for people at the time who'd been reading Animal Man and Swamp Thing seemed very familiar because uh, there was the gray fighting against the green as personified by um, Green Lantern. Um, i trying to remember what other characters were there. The big difference in Earth 2 is that if you, when you read issue 1, you saw five years ago there was a, you know, a, an invasion force from Darkseid, so that's a common theme between Earth 2 and Justice League. And um, so you had Darkseid's forces, although he, Darkseid himself didn't show up to be on this particular battle. And you had Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman were uh, fighting the, against these forces, as well as um, Robin, who was Batman's daughter. Uh, you had Supergirl, Batman's cousin. And then you also had what, Catwoman and a few others, uh, all engaging in this big, big battle. And then, mo- and then Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman die. That's how it uh, starts. And I remember reading it and being like, holy shit, they just killed these characters. That's crazy. Um, and that's kind of where it started. And then it flashes forward five years, just like in the, the regular New 52 books. And then you kind of see the history of these char- these new wonders. Uh, and this is what I really liked about this idea, is that, that on the Earth 2, superheroes are called wonders. So they're the new wonders. Um, they're kind of taking up the mantle from those who perished in, in that instance I'm referring to Superman, Batman, or Wonder Woman uh, James Robinson is now no longer on the book I think issue 16 was his last issue unfortunately um, and then in his place I, I forget his name but the current writer of the Injustice um, Gods Among Us you know, tie-in comic book he is now the writer of that book and he's kind of showing that um, you know th- there, was, there was one more of uh, Darkseid's forces that was kind of left on earth who's been holed up all this time and now he's kind of taking the fight back to the to the wonders um you have a new dr fate having been explained and uh, introduced in earth 2 so they're all kind of fighting against um this force and then superman kind of shows up 
and he's possessed, or he seems to be, have been turned to Darkseid's forces. Um, and he kind of shows up and to destroy the heroes. Now, what I really enjoyed the first 16 issues. I thought it was a really interesting concepts and ideas. Uh, I'm not so sure about going forward because there's a major tonal shift and it feels like the characters who spent 16 issues getting to know have not really taken you know, a, a big center stage with the new writer, even though we've only had two issues. Uh, I'm making that generalization thus far. Uh, but Earth 2 has definitely been an interesting book. Um, if you've loved the JSA members, it's kind of your only respite at this point. Uh, then also part of the second wave, uh, and still ongoing, there is World's Finest, which was launched by Paul Levitz with artwork by, uh, kind of, uh, alternating team of George Perez and Kevin McGuire. And the idea was that Huntress and Power Girl were relocated to the Prime Earth, uh, from their own universe after what happened in Earth 2, number one. Uh, and so Robin becomes Huntress, Supergirl becomes Power Girl, and they kind of reacclimate. Um, it's kind of a fun book at times, and sometimes it's frustrating, but it's definitely inconsistent. Um, the first arc, I mean, you you had a lot of things going on, and but I think my favorite thing was uh, having the hunt, um, Huntress meet Damian Wayne, basically her brother from another reality, which is always a little trippy, I'm sure. Um, next book was Justice League of America, which is actually part of the fourth wave. This started in February 2013, written by Jeff Johns, artwork by David Finch. And the idea was that uh, Steve Trevor puts together a team with Argus, which is an organization that was introduced in the New 52. Uh, he puts together a team that, with Amanda Waller that's basically designed to take on the Justice League and defeat them if need be. Which is kind of an interesting concept. It's got Martian Manhunter, who in the New 52 was never or was once a Justice League uh, member, uh, and something seemed to not go well about that, but we don't quite know. And now he's part of the Justice League of America, uh, which is designed to kind of act as a, as a counterbalance, uh, counteragent to the regular Justice League. Uh, you also have Green Arrow, Hawkman, Catwoman, uh, a new Grand, Green Lantern named Simon Baz, who was introduced in that title. And you also have back, uh, sorry, Stargirl, Katrina, sorry, Katana, Man, I can't read my own writing. And uh, Vibe, uh, which is it's interesting. Uh, it's also been announced that at some point in 2014, it's going to be re retitled Justice League Canada. So, suck it, Americans. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we have Justice League of America's Vibe. That was also part of the fourth wave. Uh, it's ending with issue 10 in December 2013, so this month. It's written by Andrew Kreisberg and Jeff Johns, with artwork with Pete Woods, at least when it started. And it was the idea that Vibe is a member of the Justice League of America, and he has a little bit of an ongoing to kind of show his development as a hero now that he has powers. Um, Vibe is cooler than he's ever been before and has any right to be. He's got these cool vibrational powers. Uh, so he's been showing up in his own title, but that's obviously about to end. The fact that you have Justice League of America's Vibe as the title kind of speaks to the fact that they trust the Justice League brand at least enough to help save this title. Uh, and then you also have Katana, also part of the fourth wave, and the Justice League family, written by Anna Senti, our work by Alex Sanchez when it starts. Uh, it was kind of coming out of Justice League of America and Birds of Prey, because the character showed up in both those books. Uh, it has also been cancelled as of December 2013. I never read any of it, I don't think, so I can't really speak to it. Um... And also this year, uh, sorry, this year in December, we have Justice League 3000 coming with artwork by Howard Porter, written by Keith Giffen and Jan Mateus. So that hasn't come out yet, but 
seems to be in the obviously in the future in the year 3000 so that's the Justice League family then we have the Batman family so you had the Batgirl title which is a part of the first wave which is ongoing uh, written by Gail Simone uh, the artwork was originally by uh, Ardian Siaf um, this was a big controversy when it started because pre-New 52 uh, Barbara Gordon was, was Oracle and that's what she'd been for what almost 20 years or more um, she was enormously successful as a character uh, it had really rebranded the character forever, and no one was upset that she wasn't Batgirl because she had become something more. Um, she was such an integral part of the DC universe. But then, when the New Fifty Two was announced, and they were kind of making everyone younger, and they fixed Barbara Gordon, which no one actually asked them to do, and now she has the use of her legs back, and she's Batgirl again, not Oracle. Um, people were very conflicted about this when it happened. I mean, I'm happy to be able to read cool Batgirl stories by Gail Simone. But I do understand the sense of loss of losing such a fascinating character who didn't need to dress up in you know the skin tight outfit and kick people in the face. Instead, she was an incredible mind who could really do a lot of other things that were even better than just punching someone. But uh, as part of the uh, her Oracle network, but now she's back to being Batgirl, which is kind of a weird decision. Uh, that being said, the book's been good. I mean, I've enjoyed the stories that have been told. Um, currently, there's a Batgirl Wanted storyline because uh, it was in, revealed in the New 52 universe that James Gordon Jr. is a real character and he exists, and uh, he's kind of a psychotic. And at some point, it looks like Batgirl has, has killed him. Uh, and uh, But it, she knows it was the, kind of the, the only thing that she could do, but Jim Gordon won't let her kind of live it down, so he's kind of hunting her right now. Uh, that kind of brings you up to date on what Batgirl's been doing. It's been a really good book, though. Uh, next up was uh, Batman, also part of the first wave, obviously. Written by Scott Snyder with artwork by Greg Capullo. Um, this was one of the big breakout successes of the New 52 era. Uh, it was started the storyline called Court of Owls, um, which became City of Owls. Uh, and the idea that, although Batman you know, kind of guards Gotham City and claims to kind of know every brick... He doesn't, and instead there's this ancient society that's been operating in the fringes and um, is much more powerful than Batman would ever care to admit, and uh, that's what's kind of going on in that book, is that we have this court of owls uh, that kind of runs things and going up against Batman for the basically the first year. Uh, from there, uh, we had what Dunham one here and there, then we also had Death of the Family, which is a new uh, storyline with Joker. Um, and the idea is that Joker in, I believe, Detective Comics in the New 52, issue 1, his face was removed by a character named the Dollmaker. Um, and then we saw some, like, Harlequin at one point, like, stole the, 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 the face husk and then put it on. And anyways, Joker kind of reclaimed it in the storyline by, by Capu, uh, Capuyo and Snyder. Um, so that's that. And then currently they're doing a, something called Zero Year, where... They're going back uh, to the real history of the bear, uh, sorry of the Bruce Wayne character to kind of show something that happened in Gotham once upon a time, uh, involving the Riddler and kind of the the origin of, um, of Batman and how it all kind of goes about. So it, it's been a, a, definitely a very enjoyable book. Um, if you want to hear a podcast where we talk about Batman Volume One, Court of Owls, you can refer to the Book of the Month Club. Uh, episode number 68, which I did with uh, Nathan Strack and Paul Scores, uh, where we look at uh, that first volume of Batman Court of Owls. 
incidentally, we also in that episode look at uh, Hawkeye Volume 1, My Life is a Weapon, which is the one that has the awesome shot of the Hawk Block uh, covering his junk. Um, so moving on to the Batman family, I'm going to speed this up a little only because I am running out of time. And uh, as I jokingly referred to myself in the last episode in the description, I was doing an episode about the omnibus, and I was really excited about doing the episode, but I got, I was, I have a sleep disorder, so I'm extremely exhausted all the time, and I got so tired, I started passing out in the middle of the episode, and I remember afterwards being like, that was sad Adam, sorry, not sad Adam, it was, it was, uh, sleepy Adam, and I asked a friend of the show, AJ Reese, and he's like, no, it just sounded like you had so much you had to say, and you were trying to get it out as fast as possible, I'm like, that's better than sounding like you're just passing out in your own show. Uh, so at the moment, I do feel myself feeling pretty exhausted and, and uh, a little loopy. So I may either end the show early or make it a little bit more rapid fire as we continue to move. And I hope this is interesting. I mean, again, this was uh, an episode that was kind of guided by Danzig uh, and his kind of interest in knowing what's going on in the New 52. And I thought it would be an interesting examination. Um, Speaking of, for those who have ideas for episode 126, please let me know, because I'll be recording that this week, probably Thursday, Friday, and I have no idea what to do with the episode about yet, um, as I don't have Paul Scores or Nathan Strzok available to do an episode, so I do need ideas for the next show. Anyways, back to our recap. Uh, so, uh, we've also had Batman and, which started off as Batman and Robin, written by Peter J. Tomasi, artwork by Pat Gleason, they're still the creative team, um... During Batman Incorporated, uh, Damian Wayne or Robin was killed, uh, which then made the title get renamed as Batman and whoever is guesting in that in that issue. Right now, I believe it's Batman and Two Face. Uh, Tomasi lends a consistent, uh, you know, writing hand to the book. Uh, Gleason's had some really great artwork as well. Um, these storylines, like they, they definitely built on each other, but once Damian died. Uh, there, there was the recap of Damien's death, and then from there, it's kind of telling new stories um, that aren't really that connected to the previous ones. Um, it is nice. I think that Damien Wayne was really well written by Tomasi, but if you don't care for his character, it's going to be difficult to give a damn. Um, but I like it quite a lot. Then we have Batman: The Dark Knight, which was started by Paul Jenkins, David Finch. Um, I don't even know who's doing it now. It's one of the Bat titles I've barely read, but that was part of the first wave. Uh, then there was Batwing, which was originally by Judd Winnick and Ben Oliver, which is the idea of the character known as David Zavimbi, um, who became, as part of uh, Batman Incorporated, became um, this Batwing character. has got his armor from Batman Incorporated, or essentially Batman himself. Uh, in the Nowadays, here, I think it's the first 20 issues or so, is, is his struggle and his story of fighting against corruption in uh, wherever, I forget where he's from in Africa, but in his home village, etc., in his country, he's trying to do the right thing and uphold justice, but at, at times it's quite difficult. And um, anyways, his story kind of ends, and then we have Luke Fox, who's Lucius Fox's son, uh, taking the reins and becoming the new Batwing. Uh, then we have Batwoman, which is written by J.H. Williams III and, and uh, W. Hayden Blackman when it started. Uh, they were recently kind of, I believe, terminated from the book, or they left the book because DC wouldn't let them, they were marriage blocking them from putting together uh, Batwoman, who is a lesbian, with uh, her, I guess, girlfriend slash fiance, um, Maggie Sawyer. Um, I haven't read much of it. I've read some of it, and I was blown away by the artwork. 
Um, definitely seems like it's an interesting book, an interesting team up with Wonder Woman and uh, and Batwoman at some point. I forget exactly which kind of trade paperback or storyline that would have been in. Uh, then we have Birds of Prey, which was started by Dwayne Swierzynski and Jesus Says. I'm not sure who's illustrating it now. Um, it's kind of a weird book, weird team. You've got Black Canary and Barbara Gordon, but not written the way they were ever done in the old Birds of Prey. Um, Katana was on there for a while. You had this name character named Strix, who was a Talon from the Court of Owls storylines. Uh, it's not a bad book, but it's not the best book on those shelves either. I found it pretty entertaining when I have read it, though. Uh, also part of the first wave, we have Catwoman. It was originally written by Judd Winnick and Eric Guillaume March. At some point, Anna Senti was writing the book. I remember reading the Zero issue and thinking it was an absolute tr- piece of garbage and wish I could throw it out, throw it out in the garbage. Uh, I just needed to get it away from me. It was terrible. Uh, basically, the New 52, Batwoman's... Sorry, Catwoman seems to have powers that were kind of done as they were in the Batman Returns movie, which is not a good idea. Um, the first issue I remember of Catwoman was a big controversy because uh, there it was very explicit that uh, Batman and uh, Catwoman were having sex on a rooftop. I I just personally didn't care for it, and the artwork by Gam Marsh never worked for me either. Uh, next up was Detective Comics. Obviously, it's it's still being published. It was originally written by Tony S. Daniel and uh, illustrated by him as well. I believe at the moment, I can't, can't remember which one's which, I think Jason Feibach is doing the illustrations, or is he writing that? Uh, anyways, I've actually really been enjoying Detective Comics recently. It started out kind of a mess with the Dollmaker storyline, uh, but it has definitely gotten more interesting in recent issues or months, uh, and I've dug it a lot more, although there was a... I believe this is the one where there was a story with the Mad Hatter that went on too long. Uh, next up is Nightwing, which is still going, at least for the moment. It's written by Kyle Higgins, artwork by Eddie Barrows, uh, at least when it started. Nowadays, I believe it's Brett Booth doing the art, but I don't like it as much. Uh, the idea is that it's Dick Grayson back in the Nightwing costume, and now instead of having a blue kind of bird on it, and now it's a red one. Uh, different visual kind of sensibilities to it. Um... The first arc was kind of looking at Haley's circus and the uncovering that there's this talon and the it looks like it might be you know Dick Grayson's fault that these, these people are dying. Um, it, it, it was interesting. Uh, from there, it's you know crossover with Death of the Family, also with Night of the Owls. Um, I've enjoyed the use of Haley's circus. Once Brad Ruth comes on the book, it definitely takes a nosedive in terms of some of the storytelling qualities. Um, but that's just me. Next up is Red Hood and the Outlaws, also part of the first wave, originally written by Scott Labdell, artwork by Kenneth Rockefort, who has moved on to Superman now. Um, this was a controversial title because originally Starfire was very scantily clad and seemed to have no memory of pre-New 52 at all, which makes sense now. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's kind of bumming around with Red Arrow and, uh, or, or I guess it's Arsenal now. I can't remember what you, day, uh, sorry, name he goes by. And it's also with uh, Red Hood. And they're this weird kind of team that's not a team but kind of is. And they get involved in some, you know, otherworldly endeavors. And they're also on Earth. And it's not the most consistent title. Uh, from the third wave, there was Talon. Written by Scott Snyder and uh, James Tinney IV. With our, our work by Guillaume March originally. Which was a really, really strong title. 
all about uh, this, you know, this one guy who's supposed to be a talent and kind of rejected that life, and then uh, is trying to protect this girl and her mother that has connection to his past, and then at some point he ends up getting kind of transformed back into a talent. Uh, I, I enjoy the book quite a lot, and then the new newest launch of the Batman family is uh, Harley Quinn. Um, our work by I guess Ch- Chad Harden with um, our uh, sorry it's written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. The first issue just came out like a couple months ago or sorry a month ago. It was awful. I just found the artwork to be atrocious, partially because it was just a series of one pages by each artist who decided to get involved. The storytelling was not strong and very all over the place. It just was not a very good book. Uh, then we have the Superman family of titles. Ooh. So moving on right along. Uh, next book we have is the Superman uh, family. Uh, so we had Action Comics, which has kind of been a bit of a mess. Um, it started by Grant Morrison, art by Rags Morales, and it was kind of telling a, a pre-Justice League uh, storyline of Superman. Uh, it showed kind of his first exploits in Metropolis when he was clad in just a t-shirt and a, and a cape uh, or not not much of a cape and, and jeans and then showed him getting battle armor and it was really fucked up for the first like 16 issues cause it was, or I think it was 16 because it was just a mess of ideas by Grant Morrison that didn't quite coalesce into a, a comprehensive whole um, from there um, there was uh, kind of some new stories in the present, including uh, like Lobdell's, excuse me, written some stuff. I think Pac has written some stuff. Um, I haven't enjoyed it that much personally. I think Superman's kind of the most messed up in terms of his books just not being entertaining at all. Um, Superboy was very different, and that, and this is again where they're kind of saying at first. That, oh, nothing's changed. Everything's the same. But Superboy is completely different, and he's not really Connor Kent that you remember at all. We get to see him escape from nowhere, which instead of Cadmus, uh, as where he was created. Um, and I just, I, I found I just didn't care. Uh, it was originally written by Scott Lobdell, artwork by R.B. Silva. I don't even know who's doing it now. I believe now the idea is that a future son of Superman is actually taken over and I think murdered or killed the Superboy that we know and not love but one of the love and now he's kind of taken over the idea uh, he's in a different costume uh, I really miss Connell. he's one of the great characters that was kind of lost through the New 52 experiment um, so he just doesn't exist anymore that was Superboy Supergirl again kind of relaunched the character yet again she's had you know she hasn't even been around that long in terms of this newer version of Kara and then we kind of got to see that again, and the first six issues especially were kind of focusing on the idea of she's this girl from another place who's out of out of space, out of time, out of out of her element. Uh, it was originally written by Michael Green and Mike Johnson with our work by Mahmoud Azrar. I don't even know who's doing it now. Um, I enjoyed a couple issues, but that was about it. Uh, Superman. Oh, man, what a fucked up title. It started by George Perez as the uh, artist and and uh, writer, but him and he was unaware of anything that Grant Morrison was doing. So he was kind of in this weird spot where he had to not step on the toes of anything that Morrison might do. But then he wasn't really privy to what Morrison was doing. He didn't last long in the title before he abandoned it, and it's just been a revolving door since then. 
Lovedell's been relatively consistent, but I just and Rockefeller's been on artwork, but I just can't stand Rockefeller's artwork. I it's just not really to my taste. Uh, then there's Superman Unchained, which is part of the fifth wave, starting in June this past year. It's by Scott Snyder and Jim Lee. Um, it's had, what, three or four issues by now? And I honestly couldn't tell you what's even happened. The first two issues were very boring and repetitive. Um, it's just it's more of a showcase for the artwork by Jim Lee as opposed to being this great new Superman story uh, by um, Scott Snyder, which is what people expected. Uh, also part of the fifth wave was Batman Superman. Uh, I only read the first couple issues, and it was atrocious. Um, there was a reviews episode I did with A.J. Reese where we actually, I believe, discussed the first issue of that book. It was just such a mess. Written by Greg Pak, artwork by uh, Jay Lee and Ben Oliver. You know, it's got all the pieces it needs to be a really great book, but it's freaking terrible. Um, and it also kind of invalidates the meeting of Superman, Batman, in Justice League. Um, and instead presupposes that they, um, you know, had a team up previous to that, then mixed them up with the Earth 2 versions of the characters. It just felt like it was really reaching a little too far. Um, then there is Superman Wonder Woman, which, uh, I guess is like a maybe sixth wave, if it's even called that, which doesn't appear to be, um... Superman Wonder Woman is written by Charles Soule. I work with Tony Daniel. I haven't read any of it, really, so I can't really speak to it. It just started in October. Then you have the Green Lantern family. Um, the Green Lantern title by Jeff Johns and Doug Monkey. You had Green Lantern Corps by Peter Tomasi and Fernando Prasarin. Green Lantern New Guardians by Tony Bedard and Tyler Kirkham. And then Red Lanterns by Peter Milligan and Ned Bennis. Most of those creative teams, for the most part, stayed the same for the first, maybe, what, two years? Uh, or almost two years, I think issue 20, um, and now it's all new people, and I don't even know who it's by, uh, it basically was the, the culmination of Jeff John's major Green Lantern arc, um, I think you could, for the most part, just read the last three months, uh, or whatever the issue is after Jeff John's left, and you will actually be able to understand and follow most of the story, because they give you kind of enough to work with, uh, as opposed to if you were to actually just jump on a Green Lantern not having read anything pre-New 52 of Green Lantern, you would be a little bit lost because you're just kind of jumping in the middle and because they don't want to be looking backwards, they're not necessarily you know telling you a lot about what you may have missed before. Uh, Green Lantern Corps, you know, similar. Uh, it was originally a, kind of focusing on Guy Gardner and Jon Stewart. Then Green Lantern New Guardians was focusing on the New Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, Guardians of the Universe uh, and their interactions with Kyle Rayner. Red Lanterns was a bit of a clusterfuck of a book. Some people liked it, some people really hated it. Um, and then you had Larflays, which is part of the fifth wave, which was by Giffen, uh, Demetrius, and Scott Collins in our work. Um, it was not a very good book, at least after I read the first issue. It was awful, so I just stayed away from it. Um, there was the, uh, the Teen Titans book. Um, actually, you know what? Let me go back just for a second, because I realized I was missing something. Uh, from the Justice League family, there were some books that were discontinued, uh, that were technically part of the, the list. There was Captain Adam, which lasted 13 issues, 1 to 12, and then a 0 issue, so it ended in September 2012. It was originally by J.T. Krull and Freddie Bowen was the second. There was DC Universe Presents, which was um, uh, basically uh, an anthology series that just didn't 
quite work instead of being kind of done in ones or shorter stories or multiple stories and it was just like the first five issues were old dead man story issue six to eight were a challenge to the unknown story uh had various creative teams it lasted 19 issues sorry 20 one to 19 and a zero issue and it ended this previous uh, april 2013 uh fury of the firestorm the nuclear men uh, was also a first wave title by gail simone and ethan van skyver uh it actually lasted 20 issues up to issue 20 and then it was ended in May uh, Justice League International made it about one year originally by Dan Jurgens and artwork by Aaron Lepresti but I really liked that first annual uh, I forget who wrote it I think it was co-written by Dan DiDio but it was a really good book it definitely made me excited to see Booster Gold seeing a, a future version of Booster Gold again because Justice League International seemed to not really look at the time travel aspect that made Booster Gold so fascinating pre-New 52 uh, but who knows where he is in time now. Um, the Mr. Terrific was part of the first wave, written by Eric Wallace, artwork by uh, Gianluca Gugliotta. Uh That was a book that didn't last long. Eight issues and then it was over. And then Savage Hawkman went 20 issues, or up to issue 20, by Tony Daniel and Philip Tan when it started. Uh, Liefeld wrote it in the middle. I forget who wrote it when it ended, but I liked the last arc or so. Uh, but for the most part, very inconsistent and not a very good, good read. Um, the Batman family, let's see, was anything actually discontinued in the Batman family? It's hard to believe. Uh, Batman Incorporated ended after issue 13 and a special, uh, really written by Grant Morrison with Eric by Chris Burnham. It concluded because Grant Morrison was done his story. It wasn't canceled per se. Um, and now it's over. Batman Incorporated, again, is building on Graham Morrison's long-term Batman storylines that go back at least seven years, I think. Um, but New 52-wise, theoretically, those events don't need to happen and can't happen. But, you know, comics, everybody. Some things just shit happens. Uh, Superman family-wise, there's no books that kind of got canceled in that and were taken out. Uh, then we got on to the kind of Young Justice branding originally with Teen Titans, which uh, is written by Scott Lobdell, or at least was written by Scott Lobdell, and artwork by Brett Booth. I think Freddie Williams II was working on the artwork at some point recently. Uh, it's a big mess of a book. Um, it's just got a weird team. Red Robin, Kid Flash, Superboy, Wonder Girl, Solstice, and Nuke's characters, uh, Skitter and Bunker. Uh, you know, I, I really hate how Superboy has been done in the New 52. I don't really like the way that Tim Drake operates either because it feels going backwards in time as opposed to kind of showing him develop as a character and then people learning to listen to him. Uh, I haven't really enjoyed the book for the most part, I'll tell you right there. Uh, discontinued books included Blue Beetle, which had, what, six up to get it, got up to issue 16, Hawk and Dove, which got up to issue 8, Legion Lost, which got up to issue 16 back in January, Legion of Superheroes got to issue 23, uh, but now it's over. Um, and it looks like the Legion did not undergo a reboot, but uh, yeah, who cares? <laughs> Static Shock made it 8 issues, the Ravagers made it 12, it was part of the second wave, which came out of a crossover between Teen Titans and Superboy. Then you had the, the Edge titles, uh, which was kind of the weird stuff on the edge of the regular continuity storylines. Uh, you had All-Star Western, which was, you know, I, I believe still going. Stormwatch, which just got canceled, is about to get canceled in April. Uh, once again, it's to issue uh, 30. You have Suicide Squad that's still going on with our work by, originally, our work by Federico Deliocchio and Ransom Getty with their, uh, 
writing by Adam Glass. Uh, it's gone through some different permutations for sure. Uh, then there was, um, where was I? Yeah, Suicide Squad, which has been interesting recently. Uh, then you have The Movement, uh, which was a fifth wave title, which is still going on, by Gail Simone. You have uh, The Green Team, Teen Trillionaires, written by Art Balthazar and uh, Franco Aureliani, uh, which is ending in January after issue eight. Uh, I'm just kind of going through really quickly because we're running out of time for the show. Um, then you have um, the dark ep- issues, which included Animal Man, which was by originally by Jeff Lemire, artwork by Travel Foreman. It's been really, really strong, messed up, serious storytelling, um, and a great crossover kind of with um, Swamp Thing and the f- this kind of one year later. Uh, what happens when the Green loses, basically, or things go a little bit crazy in terms of the ecosystems, etc. Uh, you have Justice League Dark, which is still going on by Peter Milligan when it started, which is kind of the mystical characters that are now operating under the neath, underneath the name uh, uh, Justice League Dark. Uh, then you have uh, Swamp Thing, which is also part of the first wave originally by Scott Snyder and Yannick Paquette. It's obviously very different now, and at times similar to Ant Man, sorry, Animal Man in terms of a story concept. Uh, then you have Trinity of Sin, Phantom Stranger, which is currently ongoing, starting September 2012, uh, originally by DiDio and Brand Anderson. Uh, then you have Constantine, or Constantine, uh, which is part of the fourth wave, starting in March 2013. And, um, you know, Jeff Lemire originally wrote it, and it brings Constantine firmly into the, the ongoing DC Universe. Uh, from there we have Trinity of Sin, Pandora... Uh, which is, she's a character that's central to everything that's going on in the DC Universe. She basically is involved in whatever happened to Barry Allen's memories to change things. She kind of uh, says that Pandora will take on um, the ability to kind of reset things and it doesn't work out well. Uh, And those were kind of, I believe, those are most of the New 52. Uh, There are some other titles. Uh, Let me just see. Oh, I missed a couple again on the discontinued side. From the edge, you had Deathstroke that ended in May, Blackhawks that ended in April 2012, GI Combat that ended December 2012, Grifter that ended January 2013, Men of War that ended April 2012, OMAC that ended April 2012, Team 7 that's about to end in May 2013. Sorry, it's already over, which is a flashback story reviving a former Wildstorm title. Uh, You had Threshold that... Uh, ended in uh, the fourth wave after issue 8 and then Voodoo which went up into issue 12 in the uh, September 2012 year Uh, from Justice League Dark in terms of the books that were cancelled and shown the door you had Demon Knights which was 23 issues up to August 2013 which I read a bunch of issues and did enjoy so at some point in the future I would probably like to uh, collect all that and then read it all Uh, Dial H um which was part of the second wave and didn't really last too long. Uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, which is obviously a, a miniseries... Sorry, not a miniseries. An ongoing that ended in January 2013. There's I, Vampire, which ended in less past April. Um, then you have Resurrection Man, which ended in September 2012. And then Sword of Sorcery, which ended May 2013. Uh, then you have a whole long list of other titles, including Batman Incorporated Special... Uh, Batman Eternal 1-52, which is a weekly series coming out in the new year, in 2014. 
in January, uh, sorry, February 2014, you have Batman Joker's Daughter number one in starting. You have Batman Year Zero Director's Cut in July 2013. You have ba- Damien's Son of Batman 1 to 4, which is going until January 2014, which I've talked about on the show before. is really kind of a mess in, in terms of the writing. Uh, Forever Evil, the miniseries that's the main big event in the DC Universe that's currently ongoing with Jeff Johns and David Finch on uh, writing and uh, illustrating respectively. Uh, you have Forever Evil Argus number 1 to 6 which is an, uh, an interesting um, crossover kind of miniseries uh, that's written by like what Sterling Gates, Eric Michael, Daniel Edwards Javier Pena, so that's a good group. Um, so that's Forever Evil Argus. Then you have Forever Evil Arkham War, which will be by Tomasi and Scott Eden. You have Forever Evil Rogue's Rebellion, which will be written by Buccellato, which I do appreciate in terms of that internal consistency, even though Manipool's not involved. Um, and there's a variety of other books, including Forever Evil Rogue's Rebellion, uh, Forever Evil, um, actually, sorry, um, Human Bomb 1 to 4, Hunters 1 to 6, Legion Secret Origin of Superhero, um, sorry, Secret Origin number 1 to 6. Uh, Justice League, Trinity War, Director's Cut number one, etc. My Greatest Adventure one to six, National Comics, which is a revival of an anthology. Anyways, there've been a lot of things to kind of come out of the New Fifty Two. Um, other books that got canceled include The Ray, The Shade, uh, etc. So that was the New Fifty Two. Um, hopefully, this has been helpful in kind of breaking down what you may have missed and what you need to read to either understand it or just move on to the new next new story. Um, it's definitely been a big, uh, successful ploy from DC to get more people to kind of follow their books and give them a shot, uh, because there's less history you have to kind of know and learn, but you can just kind of jump into things. It has not been consistent all the way through, obviously. Um, overall, it's been very successful as a, as a ploy. I wrote an article for a magazine called, uh, CGM, um, or CG Magazine, I can't remember what it's called, cgmagazine.ca, and it was called How to Learn to Stop Worrying and Love the New 52. Uh, I, th- I can't remember exactly when I wrote it, um, but uh, I originally pitched it because it, it was coming out of the fervor that was surrounding the idea of doing the New 52. So the article in question is called um, How I Learn to Stop Worrying and Love the New 52. Um, I wrote it, and well, at least it was published on the magazine uh, website, which, as I said, was uh, cgmagazine.ca uh, on uh, December 29th, 2011. It was an editorial that I had written, and it was basically the idea um, that, you know, they're, they're, the, the New 52, I was not necessarily a huge fan of the concept and idea when it first was pitched, but it was the idea that um, there is something special about the New 52 in terms of what it allows new readers to be able to do, or... the the idea of being able to kind of start at the ground floor is exciting, um, and I think that's what the, the my article is basically about. Was that he's it was about there's a whole new when sorry I'm kind of all over the place, but when Crisis on Infinite Earth happened, it brought in ushered in a new wave of DC talent and DC storylines. And if you had never read anything up until Crisis or moved or started after Crisis, you got everything you kind of needed to know. Uh, there was nothing really else that was really required, and you were able to kind of understand. And plus, if you were growing up and reading those characters at that time, they became your Superman, your Batman, your Wonder Woman. So, the New Fifty Two is very similar in that it creates brand new things and levels the playing field, 
you can kind of jump in. There aren't that many issues you have to read in order to, you know, read all of the Batman title. You need, like, what, 25, 27 issues, maybe, as opposed to needing, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Um, and, again, this is going to be, like, my nephew was interested in reading the New 52, and I think he's been picking up Nightwing, and because it's his version of Nightwing, it's 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 for his generation uh, reading comics at this point in time, which is just an interesting idea. Um, now, obviously, Marvel tried something last year with with the Marvel Now, which was in some ways very similar, but also quite different because it was all these new number ones, similar to the New Fifty Two, but instead, uh, it was the idea that all these all the stories that that previously happened did happen. Uh, they weren't going to write, you know, overtly address them, but you know, they they wanted people to know that they do they do take place inside the world where those things already happened, um, which is an interesting distinction for sure. Um, because you know, I I like the idea that you know you don't necessarily need to use the continuity all the time. You can use it as a garnish when necessary, but otherwise you can just kind of do your own thing with it. Um, so that I mean, the Marvel now I think has been more successful in some ways because it's 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 restarting but not rebooting, as if that makes sense. Because um, you're not losing what happened before; it still does exist in the ether. But it's been interesting on in how that's been addressed and handled. Anyways, this has been episode one twenty four. This has been the Comic Talk, uh, you know, New Fifty Two edition episode. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Um, I apologize throughout the podcast as I as I do this. I mean, I have a young child at home. I've been extremely tired because my wife's been ill, so I've been taking care of my son all day alone. And I've been really tired, so I have a pounding headache as I record this podcast. And I realized a few times I started to kind of list a little and start to uh, my mind started to waver a little. And I was like, "Oh man, how am I going to get through the rest of this podcast?" But thankfully, I did. Thankfully, I did, and. Hopefully this is interest has been interesting or at least a little bit helpful in terms of understanding where to kind of go and what to read and kind of explaining where these titles have gone uh, and some of the highlights of the New 52 era. Um, if you do want to just read the Justice League stuff, it's easy. You know, just pick up, you know, the first three hardcovers that are out. They'll get you up to, I think, issue 18 or so or 17 or so. Um, and then get the Shazam hardcover that's coming out soon, which was a, a relaunch of the Shazam character, who's actually called Matt Shazam now instead of Captain Marvel, uh, as he exists in the New 52. Um, and it, it was a backup in the Justice League book, and then eventually took over an, an issue on its own, so that'll be its own kind of, uh, shape paperback when that comes out. But, uh, yeah, and so read that, and then the all leads into Forever Evil, which is obviously coming out of, um, uh, the uh, Trinity War, which is kind of unfortunately named, but not a bad storyline. Anyways, if you want to email me, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook. You can uh, rate and review us on iTunes, which is very much appreciated and helps us build the audience for the show. And you can also uh, post a comment on the HC Realms thread. Uh, again, I can really use an idea or a brainstorm for what you would like, you as the, the reader, sorry, you as the listener would like to get for episode one six, uh, sorry, one twenty six, which will be going up later this week, probably around, I don't know, the thirteenth or fourteenth of the month. So uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, could not do this up these, this show without you know the loyal listeners who enjoy you know listening whatever I have to blabble on about. Yes, I just c- combined the word babble 
and uh, blather and put it into, uh, into one nice, beautiful uh, combination word. So thank you for joining me. I got to take a nap, but uh, hopefully my son will also take a nap. But uh, thank you for joining me for this episode. Much appreciated, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.